from Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 147. Today's show is brought to you by PDF Pen 9 from Smile, Blue Apron, and Encapsula. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen Hackett. Hello, Michael Hurley. And Mr. Federico Vichichi. Ciao, Federico. Ciao. How are you? Good. I must have reversed the order because that felt weird. I must always say hello to Federico first because it didn't feel normal to me. Lately, you've been saying ciao to me first. Now, mm. I, guess, I guess you're already, uh, you know, you forgot about me now that I'm not in London anymore. Yep. Now you're just a memory again. Yeah, just a memory. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. It just makes me sad, but it's fine. You should move here. Nah, nah. <laughs> well, you still can. <laughs> nah, I'm, oh. I'm, I'm cool, man. I'm, I'm fine. Thanks. Okay. Mm-hmm. Steven, save us, please. Follow up. Follow up. We have a bunch of follow up this week. We're going to start with the 10.5 inch iPad. My sh- mine showed up after we recorded last week's episode. I've put together a few impressions in a blog post you should go check out. But what I really wanted to talk about was the 120 frames per second promotion deal. The glorious screen, you mean? Mm. Mm. I had a little bit of a sense of this. Uh, before, but then I got mine, it definitely sank in that this refresh rate makes me feel nauseous, oh, like no. queasy, and makes, uh, I think that I put it in my blog post, it makes me feel like something in my brain is vibrating. It's a very surreal experience. Uh, I have not had this experience in VR, so I've used the Oculus and the HTC Vive. I did not experience this with those headsets, but I definitely get it from this iPad. And so I tweeted the other night, there is an accessibility option to limit the frame rate to 60 frames per second. I do not know what this does to the pencil refresh rate. My guess is it limits it to 120 like the old iPad, but I haven't really done like testing with it on and off. Um, but if you do find yourself in the situation, I've heard from some people that that do feel this way, that high frame rate makes them feel uncomfortable. Uh, you go into accessibility and there's an option in there. This is very strange. This is this feels very strange to me. It it and and you know at first I thought you know the first time it happened, I thought well you know I'm tired I've been traveling, let me just set this iPad aside for a couple of days and I tried it again like one morning I was well rested like I, I felt fine I didn't have a headache or anything you know like I was in good shape and and it happened again so this really made me consider whether or not to return this iPad or not because this is like one of the big features. And if I'm not taking advantage of it, maybe I can just stay on the 9.7. But what is what has led me to keep it is the four gigs of RAM and the additional support iOS 11 will, will bring for those iPads running three apps at a time instead of just two. Mm-hmm. So I'm keeping the 10.5. I really like this iPad. The screen size is nice. Form factor is great. Uh, the smart keyboard is way better than it has any right to be for just how much marginally larger it is than the 9.7. But all in all, it's a great iPad. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I just have to have this toggle turned off or my, my brain explodes. I also feel like returning it isn't a good long-term solution, right? Because this isn't going to change. Yeah. Right, like returning it because it has it doesn't won't solve the long-term problem that you may have. I was really worried uh, before I discovered the accessibility setting. I was like, I'm never going to be able to use an iPad or an iPhone. <laughs> like, oh, oh yeah, no. I'm done. Or would you just carry around a couple of sick bags and, you know, just ca- oh. forge, forge through technology? Uh, I'll just use my cool green iPhone 5C forever. But 
Uh, turns out there's a setting. So clearly Apple thought about this or, you know, it came up internally or in testing or something. So um, once again, like big thumbs up to Apple's accessibility team for putting something in there that, you know, affects probably a very small number of people, but I apparently am one of them. So there you go. I feel really bad for you in this. Yeah. Like in, yeah. Like in general? sometimes but like today it's just about the 120 frames per Mm. second specifically just because you know i mean i'm sorry but like it's incredible and i'm you know i'm sorry i'm very sorry that you can't experience it comfortably because i think for the people that can it is a very very nice feature Mm -hmm. oh no doubt and i I may try it again at some point down the road and like see if I can get used to it. I mean, it may just be something I need to adjust to and then it's fine. But for now, uh, off is off is fine. Maybe so. you just have like a slower pace of living in the South, you know? Maybe you're looking at it wrong. That's true. <laughs> you could be. <laughs> you're not yeah. just saying. That's probably it. Just, just stop, stop looking <laughs> at it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Listener Brent wrote in asking if we think iOS 12 will skip the iPad like iOS 10 did. So iOS 9 brought multitasking to the iPad. 10 did basically nothing for the iPad. Now we're at iOS 11 with, you know, I think what Tim Cooks keep, keeps calling, and I wish he would stop, the mother of all iPad releases, which is a <laughs> terrible phrase. No, no. no. <laughs> uh, and I was seeing what, what you guys thought about that. Do you think the iPad is on this TikTok schedule from now on? Well, I, I think... Um... Uh, part of me wants to believe that they they have sort of learned a lesson from iOS 10 and the kind of reception that uh, iPad users and the tech press in general had to the iPad basically skipping a year. So I want to believe uh, that, I mean, I, I don't think we'll get another like iOS 11 style of major iPad release, but at least sort of keep iterating upon what you ship this year. Like maybe make the multitasking UI better, adjust some of the concerns and missing features for drag and drop. Uh, maybe we we could get something like a shelf in iOS 12. You're never, like, never giving that dream up, are you? You're never going to let it go. I feel like this will be the thing you'll talk about forever. I'm not going to... I'm not. Gonna, it, it just makes more sense. This is a whole other topic that... <laughs> I, I feel like this will become the, the, the my version of the spatial finder that is for yeah. Syracuse. Like, I think so. Like, I know this I mean, is going to come up in your review. You're going to write a really big thing oh, about no. it. And then, like, you'll talk about it all year, and then your next concept video will be based... It just won't even be about <laughs> iOS 11 anymore. It'll just be, like, the shelf concept video. It will just carry on and on and on. We can, we, can, we can talk... We have the whole summer ahead of us to talk about... About the, the our awesome drag and drop is. Do you but think our- that the shelf will probably be like a deep and open framework? I uh, I, uh, <laughs> I feel like I feel like I. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to talk to you anymore because you, 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 you're just gonna keep bringing this up on the messages framework. Now it's your thing that just anything I say that's your standard reply. Yeah. Like, is it a deep and open framework? And yes, it's an important question. It should be. Okay. Okay. It should be should a deep be. and open should framework. Be. Okay. Good. 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 Yeah. I, I feel like if the two of you stop talking, it's gonna make my work on this podcast a lot harder. Like, Mike, Federico said this. Do you have a response? Federico, Mike isn't agreeing with you. I'm just going to say, like, if you if you could tell Federico, please, 
that oh, I yeah. that I care about him. Um, I I'm mostly in agreement with you, Federico, about the way that iOS will probably run. I think that maybe I would say that I I don't expect a lot of um features for iOS 12, right? Like I think that there should be and there hopefully will be refinements and fixes, but not like really big stuff. I think we're gonna see iPhone and iPad kind of kind of share a TikTok schedule now with iOS. I think that just makes a lot of sense just from what like the the aspect of what features you can even come up with. Because mm. the iPhone is so mature at this point that I think it's becoming harder and harder to add real meaningful things to it. So it would make sense I think if they if they put them on these two year cycles but have a yearly can t- keep a yearly cycle of iOS. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh Mike, you have started a uh, a brand war with Logitech. Uh, <laughs> look, <laughs> no, I just don't like the case, all right? I really don't like it. I spoke about it last week. I'm not on my own. Uh, Serenity Caldwell wrote a, a review on iMore about the Logitech Slim combo case. And I think she mostly agreed with a lot of the problems that I had. Um, she was maybe a little bit more charitable than I was. I, I still have to take my case and return it. Like it's been sitting in a box. I'm never going to use it again. Um, and then after last week's episode, uh, Kevin sent a tweet where he showed the the thickness of the slim combo case side by side of a unibody 13 inch macbook which has an optical drive which you can see in the image pre-retina and it's thicker so bad it's thicker (laughs) than that macbook uh and then i retweeted this a bunch of people were talking to me to the point that logitech social media felt like they needed to to jump in on this to which oh, they tweeted, the Slim Combo was designed and created to provide the ultimate protection for your iPad, which is important to us. I understand that, but maybe you shouldn't have called it Slim. Maybe you should have just called it Rugged <laughs> or like the protective case. I feel like if what uh, you were going for was ultimate protection, then don't make something so thick and try and call it Slim. I feel like you only call a product like this Slim because you know how thick it is. Um, so I would just say, I really don't like that case. Uh, if you like the case, that's good for you. But I feel like Logitech took everything that was good about the Create and ruined it and then created the Slim Combo. So don't buy it. That's I give a big don't buy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I took a look at some photos and it's just the what the product is is the complete opposite of what the product name says <laughs> like that that is not a slim case maybe slim is a, is an acronym uh it, it it's not the real uh english super large adjective in super, materials <laughs> super large ipad super large ipad m stands for i don't know Mess. massiveness <laughs> super large ipad massiveness it's like okay that, in that case slim <laughs> makes sense i guess uh, but it's it's God. not the same slim that you can find in the dictionary that's all i mean wow. just look at it so bad That's great. So last week we spoke about Planet of the Apps, and one of the contestants, I guess we'll call them the contestants, uh, on the show was this guy, the guy who never saw his kids because he was working on an AR app that you could point your living room and put furniture in your living room and see how how it came out. And on the show, it was questioned if that was something that was unique to his company. And then Apple did AR kit basically giving these tools to everybody, not just this guy who never sees his kids. Anyways, uh, yesterday on TechCrunch, uh, our friend Matt Panzerino wrote an article 
kind of putting all this together, uh, talking about Pear, the name of the app, and how basically like that all that custom stuff, all the custom stuff work they did, ARKit can now do for you, it seems like. Uh, this is partnered with an article about IKEA. Um, IKEA's, quote, digital transformation manager, which like we have to pause and just talk about that job title for a second. Like, <laughs> What does that actually mean? Is is it, he like the uh, the digital prophet for IKEA? Yeah, basically, he digitally transforms you. I've worked in a company that has digital transformation managers. What <laughs> do they do? What is that? What the, what does a person do? The the real world translation of that job title is: we are an old slow company that doesn't understand computers, and we need somebody to make us understand and use computers, therefore transforming the company digitally. That's what that's what that job title mm. tends to mm. mean. Okay. So you know, it kind of fits for this person, right? Like he's trying to make IKEA make this app, um, so he's trying to make IKEA more computer friendly. It is like most job titles, ridiculous. Um, but that's kind of, I think, the literal translation of, of what that job is all about. Oh, that makes sense. So yeah. uh, okay. Michael Valdsgaard, who holds the grand title of Digital Transformation Manager at IKEA, said that this is the first augmented reality app that allows you to make reliable buying decisions, which is a bold claim from IKEA. But they are, I guess, hopefully, they, they, they spoke about the fact that they have a tight timeline to be available for September. But they're probably going to be one of the first, if not the first big companies that has an app like this because they're working pretty closely with IKEA. Even Tim Cook has mentioned in interviews um, the fact that IKEA are doing this. And the plan at the moment for the app that they're building would be that you would take pictures of your home, go to an IKEA store, and then you see a product that you want to put in your home and then you can put a virtual 3d model of it inside the picture of your home now this kind of this seems okay but it seems like the opposite way that i think i would want to use this product i would want to be able to be in my home and then choose like products and then look at them in my home as opposed to take pictures of my home and then go to an ikea store i feel like they got it the wrong way around (laughs) yeah um, but I, I, you know, maybe you can do that. Maybe it's kind of something that's kind of just got lost in the in the, the, the discussion. But I hope that that's going to be the case. Um, but some some something that I found interesting. Valsgard says that Apple's AR technology is so good that the positioning of products will be millimeter precise, with sizes and lighting completely accurate. And they expect to have between five and six thousand products available in the application at launch. Um, I really hope that there's a way to do this at home. Yeah, I mean, well, have you been to you've been to IKEA now, right? You've seen it. It's oh, oh yeah. But I'm saying like we're either gonna have five or six hundred. Like oh, oh. like maybe just five. Maybe just gonna be no, no. I don't think it means between five and six hundred. It's five (laughs) hundred to six hundred is what (laughs) it means. Then 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 (laughs) the the writer of this article did a terrible job. No, this is this is a thing. You're reading it incorrectly. They do not mean between five products and six hundred products. It's between five to (laughs) six hundred products. Quite quite the range of options there. (laughs) Very willing to put money down on this. Right, like they do well, not mean between five products and six hundred products. We, we we may have seven. We may have four hundred eighty. It's <laughs> really hard. Technically correct. I mean, if that was true, they wouldn't even say. <laughs> they would just say amazing. a range, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward uh, to playing with the IKEA app, but I hope I can do it at home without having to go to IKEA. Me too. I just bought uh, a bookcase for my studio, 
and you know you have the deal of like I measured where it's gonna where it's gonna sit right. I wrote down all the dimensions like it's going under a window on the small wall, and wrote down all the dimensions in my notebook. And you know scouring their website and finding the bookcase that would fit those dimensions and like how's it gonna fit. And you, like you never really know until you put it in the room yeah. how it's mm-hmm. gonna look and how it's gonna fit and like. For me, there were like two sizes I could have chosen. I chose the smaller, and I'm happy with that. But like, you're just unsure, and this sort of technology could like change all of that. And I think that's exciting. And I mean, yeah, like you feel bad for the Planet of the Apps guy, but this is like clearly where this sort of stuff is going. And you can see IKEA doing it, but you can see like all all sorts of like design companies and. Um, you know, talking to somebody who works in the construction business and talking to them about this and their point of view is like, you know, what if you took the outside of a house and you could, you know, change the paint color, change the what the roof looked like, you know, change the shutters, change the, the flower, like the landscaping. And there are some apps that do that. They're very specialized right now. But ARKit means that potentially this will be a lot easier to do. And, you know, they were excited about the possibilities in that field as well. So I think... I think ARKit's going to open up a lot more than just gaming or just like fun stuff, like actually being useful in a bunch of different professional fields. There is something so beautiful about the very first contestant on behind, oh my God, on Planet of the Apps uh, being Sherlocked. There is something so beautiful about that. He was Sherlocked by a deep and open framework. I guess yeah. so. Yeah, in, in fact, I put the um, the iOS 11 AR kit demo, the one from Apple on my iPhone yesterday. I had to use Xcode, which was fun. Oh. Uh, and I've been and I've been playing around with the uh, w- with the app, and it's a really basic demo. You can um, you can use the camera to point at a surface, and once that's been detected, you can place objects on the on a table or on the on the floor as long as it's a horizontal surface and you can put an espresso cup which is empty a vase a lamp uh even a chair i think and it's kind of you know it's kind of neat because uh the 3d models are accurate and you can move around with the camera the tracking is impressive you can pinch and zoom with your fingers to uh, change the size of the object and it's super fun because you can actually uh for example with the lamp if you stand over it you can uh sort of uh, look into the lamp and look at the light bulb, for example. Oh, that's It's nice. super neat. Yeah, that's very nice, and it gives you a sense of space and perspective that, you know, it's much more advanced than stuff like Pokemon Go, for example. So it doesn't surprise me that a lot of these big companies like Niantic and Ikea, they want to get onto the uh, ARKit train uh, because I think that Apple is simplifying a lot of the work that used to be, for example, the the, the guy on the TV show it used to be a lot of custom, you know, 3D modeling and spatial tracking, all of this custom stuff that you had to do. Now it's, you know, it can be simplified by an iOS framework, which is great. So if you haven't played with the with ARKit yet, uh, just download the sample project from the WWDC resources page, uh, use Xcode, put it on your iPhone and play with it. It's kind of fun. Easy. <laughs> Yeah, sounds. It's sounds really not that difficult, actually. Really? Okay. So, I guess it's one of those things that sounds scarier than it is it's, if you've never used Xcode. Yeah, it does. It's super easy. All right. Today's show is brought to you by Encapsula, the multifunction content delivery network that boosts the performance of your website, protects it from denial of service attacks, and secures it from bad guys whilst ensuring high availability. To take control of or to, to harness the power of 30 data centers with 3 terabits of bandwidth that Encapsula has to stop bad things happening to your website. You don't need to install any hardware or software. 
is ready to go whenever you are. All you need to do is make a small change to your DNS to activate Encapsula. What will happen then is your content will be cached and optimized, so it will be lightning fast for all of your users. Even if something bad is happening, like a denial of service attack, it will never hit your servers because Encapsula can take it. They can just deal with it for you. They're like a very protective barrier that you can put around your website. You can see everything working on Encapsula's dashboard where you can get a live traffic view of your site with the ability to also create custom rules to meet your exact security needs. As a listener of this show, you can get one whole month of service for free. Just go to Encapsula.com slash connected. That's I-N-C-A-P-S-U-L-A dot com slash connected. You'll find out more here about their service and also claim your free month. Thank you so much to Encapsula for their support of Connected and Relay FM. So there have been some uh, HomeKit changes that have been announced to come with iOS 11. There were some that I think were on stage in the keynote, and then there's been some more information that started to trickle out um, since people have been paying attention and writing about some of the sessions. So there are a few things that I wanted to touch on, um, and then we've got some news that's happening around uh, HomeKit with iOS 11 as well. So first up, there are some new product categories that are being added to HomeKit. We saw speakers. That was one of the ones that was announced on stage and is probably, you know, for in part the the HomePod maybe. I don't know. Uh, But two others are sprinklers and faucets. Now, I would love, I'm going to change it to British English now. Uh, I would love a tap that I could make sure was turned off when I wasn't at home. Like, I I don't know what else you could really do with with having a... uh, internet controlled tap maybe you can control the temperature but the idea of being able to check that my taps are off when i've left the house for a trip vacation would be fantastic i would love that right like that seems like a really good use of this technology all i want to be able to do really is just make sure that my house isn't going to flood or burn down that's all i ever really want um and the ability <laughs> to be able to check that my taps are off with HomeKit would be really cool i, I like that yeah th- this this the sprinkler thing could be cool too if you have, you know, a lot of sprinkler systems, like if you have a yard, are set with timers that are very basic. And so sometimes you drive through the neighborhood and sprinklers are going and it's pouring down rain because the thing's on a timer and it's too stupid to know it's raining. <laughs> so I could see a world in which this stuff like knows about the weather. So, hey, if it hasn't rained in 24 hours and it's this time, then run the sprinklers for, you know, X, X number of minutes or something. So it's about making you know, dumb stuff smarter and not just light bulbs anymore, but, uh, but, you know, sort of outside stuff too. So I think this is great. I bet that there's, um, some like sensors that you could put in the ground as well, right. That could sense the, the dryness oh, of the sure. soil. Right? So it's kind of cool. Um, QR code and NFC pairing is a new mm-hmm. addition for HomeKit and iOS 11. So this is official support for pairing with Eva method. So, this probably explains some of the changes that were on the work cloud slides at WWDC. There's some NFC yeah. related stuff, right? That's yeah. just changing. Yeah. Is it that the phone can become a reader? Was that what it was? Which is uh, new? yeah, it can yeah, it can basically pair with uh, a nearby NFC device. It's not the full integration that some people were hoping for, but it's a it's a good step forward. And the QR code stuff is actually a uh, like a system wide change. Yeah. Uh, the the iOS camera can now detect any kind of QR code, and whether that's a QR code that the, that contains a link. So you get a uh, once the camera finds a QR code, you get a banner uh, that prompts you to open the link in Safari, or it can even be besides a HomeKit device, it can also be um, a Wi-Fi network, so when you scan the QR code like behind a router, so usually on the bottom of the box, uh, 
you get a prompt that allows you to quickly pair with the new Wi-Fi network so you don't need to do the whole manual setup, which is kind of neat, yeah? I look forward to interacting with billboard advertisements now that my iPhone will be able to scan it. That's going to be great. Um, Software authentication and self-certification. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but this seems like a huge, huge deal for HomeKit. So my understanding is with the software authentication, it could allow older devices that don't have a physical HomeKit chip in them to have HomeKit support added via a software update, which I assume would stop the need of all of the bridges needing to be bought. Am I right, Federico? So I haven't looked at the technical documentation yet, but that's also my understanding. I'm not sure if, uh, and I just want to confirm if that's actually also uh, allowed for commercial purposes. Like, can you actually sell devices that don't have a HomeKit chip, but do the self-certification, or is that just for debugging? Hmm. So that's what I want to understand. But the basic idea is correct, which is you can... Uh, use software to authenticate and sort of say I am capable of talking to HomeKit and I'm uh, handling these authentication and permissions via software. I just, I need to make sure... It can be used at large scale or if it's just a small scale thing. Yeah, like can I buy a Switch on Amazon that doesn't have a HomeKit chip but as like with the software update it's going to work. So that's what I want to understand. And along with this is something called the HomeKit Certification Assistant, which is being created to allow for accessories to be certified. And Apple's opening some HomeKit labs, I think, is it in the US, the UK, and one other place, maybe Australia? Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. I didn't write it down. There's three places that they're opening these new HomeKit certification labs so people can take their devices in and get assistance, I think. Um, And there's improved latency, so when you want to do something in HomeKit, it will happen quicker. And some new event-based triggers. Federico, do you want to talk about these new triggers? So the the idea behind the new triggers is that you get more uh, controls over time-based uh, triggers. Like you can do relative commands like uh, one hour before sunset or two uh, hours after sunrise. So you have more control over timers. And But the big change and something that I was tweeting a few months ago, I actually even forgot about my tweets until someone sent them to me. Uh, It's the idea of presence. So you can now have triggers that account for the presence of family members inside the house. So I can say things like, when Sylvia walks out the door, make sure that the light is turned off. Again, I haven't tried because not all of my devices are on iOS 11 yet, but there's a, I saw the screenshots and I saw the new automation screen in, home, in the Home app, and there's the concept of presence. It's a new trigger in the, in the HomeKit API, so... That's great because I've always I've always thought that one of the major missing features was the idea of do things when someone is or is not at home. And to my surprise, now HomeKit has an official setting for presence, and it also accounts for multiple users. And I and I suppose that it sort of uh, it connects directly with the idea of family sharing for HomeKit, where you can manage permissions for multiple users. So that's great. And ideally, developers don't have to do any work for this. Developers don't have to know, uh, don't have to manage my family members because the iOS framework does that natively. So you just basically plug into that. The accessory plugs into the rules. And when something happens and it's detected by the HomeKit hub or by iOS devices, then the, the 
trigger is engaged and the automation runs, which is great because now I have much, much more control between the time-based rules and the presence conditions. Now it basically opens up a much wider array of possible automations for HomeKit, which yeah. I feel like it's the kind of it's the kind of control and the kind of precision precision that was missing from the from the original uh, you know set of automation commands. Yeah. So thumbs up if it actually works and is fast and is reliable. Yeah, I mean, there's so much more interesting stuff that you can do with these triggers and with the actions and the things that you're able to support, which are not just like happen at 9am every day. Like that's not always yep. what you need because if I'm not there, then you don't do it. And, exactly. you know, and so I, I think that there's it, things become a lot smarter once you can start adding some of these conditions in. Um, and I'm, I'm pleased that Apple are doing this. I mean, on the whole, I'm pleased to see a lot more of the underpinnings happening to HomeKit, you know, like I really want to see Apple stay competitive with this because mm-hmm. as with a lot of things that they do, they, they make it more tricky based on the security, but the security is a really good thing. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm still not keen on, on getting a door lock, right? <laughs> There's just something about that that I, I'm i a little bit uncomfortable about right now. Yeah. But with some of this stuff, you know, I think you can do door locks with HomeKit as well. I would maybe be a little bit more convinced to, to do it with Apple than with anybody else. Um, mm. So I'm just in general happier to see a lot of a lot more being added to HomeKit because mm. I do really like the service. Like I find HomeKit to be quicker at doing some things than anything else just w- with regards to latency and how long it takes to perform an action. So mm-hmm. I'm pleased to see this improving and improving with the eventual support on a, on a deep scale coming to a, a, something like yeah. the, the HomePod. What I'm not sure is if in the UI, I, and I'm fairly sure that right now this is not available, but if you can actually nest these conditions and have them, uh, for example, things like if it's 5 a.m. and I am at home, so to be able to have the, like dual conditions, and right now I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's not available, so you mm-hmm. can either choose... Is it a time of the day or is someone arrived at home or has someone left home? Um, Whereas I would like to see the next step of let me combine time with the presence condition. Uh, That would be ideal. Instead, right now, they seem to be separate, which it is a step forward. It's just almost there. And I want to see Apple have proper support for this idea of the presence inside the home and so we'll we'll see how it goes. Maybe maybe it'll, it'll get added in a future beta. I don't know. Maybe you know. If only if only Apple had a team of people in their company that were good yeah. at allowing you to chain actions together. I feel like you're yeah. I feel like you're asking for too much okay. uh, mm. from a, from a startup. Come oh, on, sorry. Mm. You know, like if only they had hired really good people uh, at creating yeah, some I kind know. of flow uh, of work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, know, yeah, but know. you know, no, but nobody cares about automation these days. It's, <laughs> it's long gone. It's long yeah, gone. Yeah, Stephen, yeah. do you want to talk about Nest? Yeah. So in in all of this HomeKit news, there was a story that Nest was uh, considering home adding HomeKit support uh, to its products. Uh, on occasion, Nest releases new products now again, which is exciting. They seem to be uh, doing stuff again. I mean, this would be great. I've spoken at length about my Nest cams and and wanting them to be available via HomeKit. I mean, right now Nest is sort of a closed off system. One thing that Nest does 
Frederick, you were talking about like the, the nested options and the, the present stuff. Nest does a really good job at that. So our cameras only turn on if both of our phones are away from the house. And it's easy to do. You set up another, you know, sharing account and you kind of tell it what devices to pay attention to. That stuff's all really good with what Nest does, but, you know, everything else, you got to use their app. It's a, it's a closed system. So I would like to see them consider this. I'm sure that, that you know, it would be for new products moving forward uh, unless they can get away without having, you know, HomeKit hardware authentication. But it's encouraging that it's rumored at least that they're looking at it because I think they should. I think that Apple's putting a lot of muscle behind HomeKit and they are, especially with the HomePod coming, it's there's, it's going to be a big emphasis for the company and Nest should, you know, play play nicely. And, and I mean, who knows? It may be that Nest has wanted to, the, to do this and under the old system, Apple just didn't let them. You know, there's a lot of history between uh, Nest and Apple with Tony Fidel, who is now at neither company. But, you know, maybe that's in the past now and they can move forward and work together somehow. I mean, it would be good. I mean, Nest is one of the original, you know, home automation companies. And in theory, they still have a lot of really great people there, right? They're still releasing new products. There's a... Google bought them for a reason. They they want to they want this stuff to be made. I mean, I can't imagine that that Google were keen on just having this company that made this thermostat one time and then they just don't do anything else. Oh well, I mean, sure, that's why they canned all their management. Like, yeah, I think they're getting there slowly. But um, so I think it would be it would be really silly for a company that makes this stuff to not support all of the major platforms to tie this stuff together. Agreed. Um, you know, they have the ability. I think I think you control this off of your Echo. Can you? There's like a, an integration, I think. Uh, there is, at least for the thermostat. I'm, I, I would need to look about the cameras, honestly. Okay. I mean, and, you know, I assume that you can run some of this stuff with Google Home as well. And considering the fact that Nest is one of the parts of Alphabet, which is separate in its own way, it would be silly for me to for them to not support HomeKit or at least attempt to. It would be a very, very strange decision to make. Today's episode of Connected is brought to you by Blue Apron, the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the United States. Blue Apron set the highest quality standards for their community of 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranches. And then for less than $10 a meal, they will deliver to you seasonal recipes with fresh, high-quality ingredients to let you make delicious home-cooked meals in 40 minutes or less. They ship just the exact amount of every ingredient that you need for a recipe, so they reduce food waste and make sure that you only have what you need so you're not having tons of stuff build up in your home that you're never going to use. Every Blue Apron recipe comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients, right? So these pre-portioned ingredients, you get these little tubs, and it's great. You, They say just put this in, you put that in, put this in, put that in. It's all nicely separated by meals as well, so you're not like going, oh, where did this go, where did this go? You could just put the bag in your cupboard, and you'll be ready to go. Their freshness guarantee promises that every single one of these ingredients in your delivery arrives ready to cook, and if there's any problems they'll make it right you can choose from a variety of new recipes every week from blue apron's culinary team you can also let them surprise you or and you can also set your dietary preferences as well to make sure that you get things that are good for you to eat for example some recipes right now include peach honey glazed chicken with mashed sweet potatoes collard greens and thai basil 
spiced zucchini enchiladas with creamy lime and tomato rice, and warm smoked trout and asparagus salad with thingling potatoes and garlic croutons. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. They deliver to 99% of the continental US, and there's no weekly commitment, so you just get those deliveries when you want them. You can check out this week's menu and get three meals for free with your first purchase by going to blueapron.com slash connected, and you get free shipping as well. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So go to blueapron.com slash connected and find out more today. We thank Blue Apron for their support of this show. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So we've had a lot of questions from listeners about our uh, process and mindset when it comes to running uh, betas during the summer. And so, Mike, (laughs) I ask you, are you running betas this summer? Oh, hey. Uh, (laughs) Tell us about your beta, Mike. (laughs) Right now uh, in the process, no, I am not. So I mentioned on last week's episode that I hadn't had much time to play with my 12.9-inch iPad because I was restoring it um, because I'd put the beta on it. And I dragged an app into a folder, and the Springboard crashed. And then all I could do was get to the uh, Apple logo. Wouldn't go past that. Um, about two days later, I did the, the same thing to the 10.5. Um, I think I was just opening an app, and the Springboard crashed. And uh, I had to restore the iPad, the 10.5-inch iPad. So I'm going to wait a little bit longer, I think, at this point, because I'm not keen on uh, doing a hard restore into DFU mode on, with iTunes um, every couple of days for my iPads. So I'm maybe going to wait an extra cycle or two before I put uh, the betas back on. Um, nothing on my iPhone. I'm probably going to stay away until, like, beta 5 at the earliest, which is typically when I put the beta on my iPhone, if at all. Um, I let it go pretty far into the process. Honestly, I might not even put the beta on my iPhone because there really isn't a lot that I can think of that I really feel like I have to have on my iPhone right now. It's all on the iPad. Um, I won't run anything at all on the Mac. That just that's a fool's errand for me. To, to I mean, I I don't even really want to be running Sierra on my Mac right now, but I needed to. Um, Sierra has introduced some bugs in audio for me, which I'm so excited about. Um, so I I do not expect to be upgrading uh, Mac OS at all, let alone to, to the beta. Hmm. Steven? So I, I'm not running iOS 11 anywhere at this point. Uh, I'll jump on that train later this summer. Uh, I am running High Sierra on an external SSD on my MacBook Pro, so I can plug that in and boot to it, but I'm not running it full-time or anything close to full-time. Uh, really just so I can kind of start putting some ideas together for a review this fall. But, uh, you know, it's really early days and I've got work to do and I don't need my iPad or my iPhone exploding. So I'm staying off iOS for, for the time being. And I assume, Federico, that you're not you're not going to put the beta on anything. Like you're just going to wait for release, right? Yeah, I'm, uh, I always wait for the public release. I'm really <laughs> against betas. I never run betas of uh, OSs or apps on my devices so because you could ruin them like yeah yeah uh, um, i like to keep actually you know what i do i I, i'm actually still on ios 9 because i don't trust software update i think apple wants to make your phone slower and they might change the ui again they they might i'm really against change i don't like redesigns and um you know if i could i could i'd still run ios 6 i'm one of those people i had a dream last night you want to hear about my dream yes i do Mm -hmm. actually it was it was this morning I know that everybody wants to hear about my dream. So I was having a dream where um, 
I was awake. In, in my mind, I was awake. I didn't know this was a dream. And uh, my alarm kept going off on my phone. What was happening in the real world was that my alarm was going off on my phone. Uh, uh, okay. And I was trying to turn my alarm off. And in my dream, I'm not kidding, I am going to every single one of my iOS devices and turning the volume down on all of them. Mm-hmm. But the alarm kept going off, right? And I mm. couldn't stop it. And then I picked up my iPhone and somehow my iPhone had regressed to, I- to iOS 6, <laughs> right? And I'm trying to, like, turn off my alarm by, like, flicking these, like, brushed aluminium switches in the alarm app, like, in the clock app. I'm like, and they're like, what is going on? And then they started moving around in, to, like, create some kind of game. And at that point, I realized, this can't be real. And then I woke up and turned my alarm off. Mm. That's that, incredible. That, that was never a thing in iOS 6 that the, 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 the toggles would spin around like a game. So. <laughs> I mean, it was close to it. But like, it, it was funny to me that what brought me out of the dream was iOS 6 on my iPhone. Y- yeah. Right, because there was just no way. Your uh, dream brain is against skeuomorphism. That's it very can, true. can take it. That's can very true. Because it. It, it doesn't feel real, you know? Yeah. Well, so in... Uh, Let's switch to serious mode. I have betas on all of my primary iOS devices. iOS 11 beta 1 is on my iPhone 7 Plus. It's on my new 12.9-inch iPad Pro, which I bought last week. I'm keeping iOS 10 on the uh, 10.5 iPad Pro for now uh, because I I feel like I want a stable version of iOS uh, primarily because a lot of the apps that I use, actually a lot of the workflows that I use, they don't run on iOS 11. The workflow extension, for example, doesn't come up in Safari at the moment, which is a big problem for me because of the Storybot, because of the Trello workflows that we have. Have you filed a radar? I, you know what? I have filed 10 radars in the past week. I'm actually telling Apple to fix some things and to sort of arguing about some aspects that I don't agree with the execution. So that's another story for another time. Uh, yeah, but yes, I am, doing, I am doing my job as a beta user. Good, Mike. man. And um, it's rough. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it's, uh, my iPad is not, it's not crashing as badly as yours did, but I'm finding myself like sometimes when I'm watching sessions in the WWC app with notes in split view, Sometimes, you know, when you when you rearrange split view and sort of the the app view kind of blurs when you're changing the layout, yeah, yeah. it gets stuck that way, <laughs> and the home button doesn't respond. Locking the iPad and oh. unlocking it again doesn't respond. So I need to force uh, the shutdown and power it on again. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> Yeah, maybe I cannot navigate between home screen pages or maybe Spotlight doesn't come up. Of course, there's a Tweetbot crashes when you try to paste the link. Uh, is a quick tip if you're running iOS 11 and Tweetbot crashes when you want to paste a URL to a web page. Make sure that you paste the link first and then you type your text. That way the app is not going to crash. Anyway. Teach you tip. Yeah, teach you tip. Beta, beta teach you tip. Um, all kinds of issues, but... I am enjoying the changes very much. The drag and drop between... I'm using drag and drop between Notes and Safari a lot and also between Mail and Todoist uh, because Todoist in the in the uh, comment field of a, of a task, it's a standard text view, so it already supports drop by default. So I'm dropping things like 
uh, links from an email message or like entire paragraphs from a, from an email uh, to save them as a reminder in Todoist, which is great. I'm enjoying dropping photos, uh, primarily screenshots between um, the Photos app and messages or the Photos app and, and mail. And I cannot wait for all apps to support drag and drop in multiple variations of it. Like I want to rearrange content inside of the app. I want to do spring loading and I want to do all that kind of cool stuff that Apple showed at WWDC that is not available right now. And even I feel like even in the Apple apps right now, it's a, there's a lot of inconsistency. Like when you try to drag an email message uh, onto a text view, sometimes it keeps your uh, the subject of the email. Other times it takes the link to the uh, email message, which is great. But sometimes it works, other times it doesn't. Overall, I'm really excited to to sort of change because all of my workflows are going to change, right? File management with the Files app Definitely. and yep. drag and drop and even workflow if they ever ship an iOS 11 update. And right now I feel like um, I feel like I'm, uh, I'm lost in this sea of potential and bugs and I'm trying to understand, trying to see the light like, I know this will be great in the end because I see all of this potential, but I'm sort of struggling. <laughs> I'm sort of lost in the woods here and because there's all these crashes and bugs and reboots. Uh, so I'm really uh, hoping that Beta 2 will, will be better. Um, I, was, I was hoping that we would get Beta 2 yesterday, but it didn't come, so maybe next week. Um, yeah, it's, it's rough, but... Uh, I, I think it'll be very, very nice eventually. And of course, I'm using it iOS 11 to write the iOS 11 review, which is, seems appropriate. Are you finding it to be more stable or less stable on the iPhone? Oh, less stable. Um, than on the iPad? I feel like it's much better on the new hardware, uh, the mm. 12.9, because I also tried on the on the 10.5 before going back to to iOS 10, and I feel like it's much snappier on the new generation iPads than the iPhone 7, yeah. So you're running it on your iPhone, on which one of your iPads did you say? The 12.9, All right, so the new your, one. The new one, so you're actually running this on your daily Main, iPad yes. and phone, wow, you're a, yes. you're a brave man. I know why you and, do it, right, you have a really, yeah. a really good reason, because you've got to start work on the review, but like, that's got to be tough, that's got to be real tough. <laughs> it, is, it is, and especially... Um, you know, like sometimes I need to do something quickly and the entire thing come, c- comes crashing down. Yeah. And like oh, I was trying I was trying to save a link for the Mac Stories guys to the to Trello to be like, hey, can someone take a look at this? And the entire thing crashed. Like, oh God, what what have I gotten myself into here? Uh but it's it comes with the territory, you know. I gotta do this. Uh there's no other way to be like, yeah, sure, I'll just put the beta in July and then I'll write the review in two weeks. That's not going to work. So don't do it now because beta one is super buggy. Uh, I would actually wait for beta, yeah, four, five, that makes yeah. more sense to me. It's <laughs> yeah. way closer. I have a question for you too. When do you think or do you have any idea of when the public beta might be available? So Apple said at the end of June. So okay. um, I'm thinking that Apple is going to do the beta 2 next week, wait a few days, make sure that everything is fine, no huge problems, and maybe on Thursday, Friday, we'll get beta, uh, the public beta, 
because I'm, I'm not sure if the... What's the last Monday of June? If it's June 30, then there you go. They're going to the do it The last Monday 30. of June is, is next Monday. Okay. So, yeah, I think we'll get the public beta idea in the, like, mid next week. That's so you're expecting that beta 2 for developers will drop before then? Oh, yeah. The, right? It always okay. does. It always does. Because, they okay. again, what's it's a, it's a public beta. Anyone can put the beta on their iPhones. So they want to make sure that it doesn't make your phone explode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's you know. the really good that's that's I find that to be the best thing. So I have a question for you, right? Uh-huh. What are the chances that we could see an app like Dropbox support something like files.app before release? Is there any no. possibility at all of this? I don't think so. Um okay. because tra- traditionally they and even if Apple is doing some things differently, I struggle to see how they would enable submissions for a new SDK before Xcode 9 actually launches and uh, how, how is it going to work? Some developers are going to be able to to submit and others won't. And usually the way it works is they are going to open up test flight for testing uh, sometime in the next few weeks and the submissions will actually happen after the September event. That's usually what happens. Uh, but I don't think, uh, you know, developers... I mean, of course, developers cannot support the new APIs right now because uh, they're not in the SDK. And I don't think Apple wants to uh, enable uh, the the iOS 11 submissions just for a subset of developers um, because that would actually, you know, it would be against the rules to sort of enable that for some people and not for others. Uh, I could see maybe having a kind of special partnership and be like, hey, we want to make sure with our friends at Dropbox that everything is working correctly, so we're opening up a public test flight, but that's kind of stretching it. Because the reason I ask this is that I feel like the public betas are becoming less and less useful because people can't test and, and Apple can't gather information and third parties can't gather information about whether some of these things are going to work and how mm-hmm. well they're going to work, right? Like, I feel like part of the public beta process is to make sure that what's happening in 11 will will work, right? And I feel like the Files app is such a big change that it's, I don't know, I feel like it, it's a struggle that you can't do any of these things. I feel like why even have the public beta if you can't, if no third mm. parties well. can get and try and test this stuff? Well, the I guess the the big companies like Dropbox and Microsoft and Google they they have you know they have teams of let's say 30, 40 people and once Apple rolls out the internal testing for test flight which is separate from the external testing the public testing if it's not already open it's gonna be open in I would say in the next couple of weeks and once you get 20, 30 people to uh, be able to test Dropbox for iOS eleven internally using test flight. I think that's fine, uh, you know, because usually, you know, 20 or 30 engineers looking deeply into the app are better anyway than 2,000 people just testing the app for a couple of minutes. You know, you can get, I think you can catch most of the bugs and most of the problems. Yeah. In terms of iOS SDK integration, we're not talking here about the cloud service at scale because Dropbox is already doing that. But, once you get the internal testing set up and you get 20, 30, 40 engineers looking at the new SDK, looking at the new API, 
I see. I, I can see how Apple thinks that's fine. I also just think that the public beta is minimizing the effects of the release. Like if if anyone can download the beta, then and it doesn't have any of the new features available to you, then what's the point in doing it? I see, I've been thinking about that, and I think it's right uh, to an extent. Like people like us, it's definitely diminished the surprise effect of it's September sixteenth. Let's all hit software update because we can finally install iOS 11. So for people like us, it's definitely different now. And the public beta has opened up the, you know, the nerd floodgates to a lot of beta seats going out to the general public. But most people don't do the public beta because you got to sign up and there's a bunch of messages that tell you, are you really sure this is going to make your phone unstable? And it's only meant for, you know, testing the next, you know... People like my mom and my friends are not going to sign up for the public beta. Um, so for the few millions of nerds worldwide, yes, it has diminished the effect. But the, I believe that's also why Apple doesn't want third-party apps to come out before. Because third-party apps are the actual surprise now. You go to the App Store and you get all of these new apps that support the new features on launch day. So even if you're on the public beta, you still get the surprise of third-party app integrations uh, on day one. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. Have we got anything more on this? Or should we move on? Uh, don't put beta one on your devices. Yeah, don't. That's my... Just don't. Also, I'm loving the screenshot feature. Whoever at Apple thought of this new markup floating screenshot, I love you. And, and I wish we could be friends in real life because you're literally saving me dozens of minutes every day. So thank you. Yeah, I, I got the opportunity to try that before I had to destroy everything. And I really liked it. It was uh, yeah. <laughs> it was really cool. Um, but then I had to restore my iPads. Make sure you have backups if you are going to install anything. Are you backing up more frequently, Federico? Is this a thing? Do you like make sure your iCloud's backed up more often? Um, yeah, and also I make sure that the... Uh, the draft of the review like it gets saved in multiple places and like uh, i'm a little more paranoid when it comes yeah. to pr doing production work on the beta so i check that uh icloud always updates uh i actually upgraded to the two terabyte plan yesterday because i want to try the family sharing thing with sylvia but yes i am more uh, anxious and paranoid about backups actually working and occurring overnight every day and i keep my uh, work stuff in multiple locations now, which include iCloud, Dropbox, and GitHub in our shared repo. So, yes, to your question. Steven, as our official backup uh, safety officer, do you consider that to be a, a good setup that Federico's running? Yeah, I think so. You know, one, the one thing I would add, if you want to go <laughs> back to iOS 10, um, you need to be careful that your backup may not apply. And so, yeah, yeah. What yeah. what I do like, when I get around to iOS 11 beta, I will make an iOS 10 backup, an encrypted backup in iTunes on the Mac. I did that. I did that. Are you proud of me? I am. Uh, because once you're on iOS 11 and the iCloud backup backs up your iOS 11 machine, uh, that backup, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think we'll go back on an iOS 10 device. So, you, I have that iTunes backup, like, like preserved in stone, my iOS 10 image, and then let iCloud take it from there if, uh, for 11. But if you want to go back, make sure you have like some like an encrypted backup in iTunes. It's very handy uh, when things explode and you need to go back to something stable. I guess maybe even if you keep an old device around on 10, 
stuff's still going to get synced backwards and forwards, and you could back up from that over iCloud, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, yes, um, but it would be perfect. Yeah. But you you at least have some form of of right. Data and intensity. I mean, it's not the end of the world to um start over either. You know, it but is, though, I think, but it's a real pain. It's, I did it with um. I did it with my 9.7 inch iPad Pro, and mm-hmm. so I've re- I've restored that back up to the 10.5. Uh, it is nice to do every once in a while, but it, it you I at least need a couple hours to like sit down and change everything and log back into everything and set everything back up. It, it's a little time consuming. This is probably I don't think I mentioned this before, but that was what I did with both the 10.5 and the 12.9 when I bought them and put them on 11. I started them fresh, so I set them mm-hmm. both up. I took the pains of setting them all up and then uh. lost them all. Right, <laughs> I lost an entire day. Uh, to that so including That's switching no over my one password from dropbox to a one password account because oh, nice. the dropbox wouldn't sync yeah so. I, it's uh i mean it's not the topic for today but if you use my password you should definitely look into that because it's really handy yeah especially if you're running the ios 11 beta and you're me because the dropbox syncs just doesn't work so you can't get any of your passwords on the devices it's not their fault just how it is it was so early but now one password you just got a new paying customer <laughs> so woo, good good luck good for you uh, this episode of connected is brought to you by pdf pen from smile pdf pen equips you with everything you need for more powerful pdf editing pdf 9 pdf pen 9 is now available and it is the ultimate tool for editing your PDFs. You can upgrade now to version 9 to go totally paperless and enjoy over 100 enhancements that will improve your PDF editing workflow, like the ability to add notes, comments, and cloud annotations to your documents, or even fill out and sign interactive PDF forms. You are able to access and, and uh, the content in the sidebar, annotation content now, and copy that annotation content as text. You can also find and highlight all instances of a word, which is very useful. So you open up a PDF, you want to find a word, you can automatically highlight it, along with being able to remove OCR text layers and create links to other PDF files. There's some of the very powerful additions that you can get from PDF Pen 9, along with all of the other stuff that you're used to. The busier I get, in my work, the more and more I appreciate PDF Pen because the busier I am, the more I use it. Like it is the application that I use for dealing with all of the important business documents that I have. They're there for me in iCloud. I can save them out to different applications if I need to, but I get the ability to annotate things and sign things and add my name to stuff and date to stuff really, really easily. And I love being able to use my Apple Pencil on uh, PDF Pen for iOS, which is really awesome. But I, whenever I sit down on my Mac, I take the uh, PDF pen from my Mac as well, and now we have PDF pen 9 to add to the family. You can even add OCR for Chinese, Japanese, and Korean now with PDF pen 9. You can get everything you need for more powerful PDF editing by going to smilesoftware.com slash connected. Thank you so much to PDF pen from Smile for their support of this show. Go and check out PDF pen 9. All right, so last week on the show... Me and Steven explained to Federico what Planet of the Apps was all about. Now, this mm-hmm. week on the show, Steven and Federico are going to explain business chat to me, which I believe is a feature of Evernote. Yes, it is a feature of Evernote that is coming uh, with the next major update to Evernote, which, if you don't know, uh, all of Relay is going to switch to as a new company policy. Oh, We're no! all switching from Google Docs <laughs> to Evernote. And so get used to it because it's happening. And away from uh, Slack to, to, to WorkChat. 
Oh right? yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. So, all right. Business chat is a feature of iOS 11 messages. So the messages app that uses the iMessage service protocol. I feel like I need to make this distinction because there's going to be someone who points it out to me on Twitter. So messages is the app. iMessage is the service. It's going to launch publicly, I think, next year. But Apple is going to roll out a beta for uh, businesses uh, later this year. And... What it does, on it's quite simple. If you're familiar with the way that businesses can contact you on, on, on Messenger, for example, on Facebook, it's actually quite similar. It's a way for businesses, whether they're local shops or online companies, to send you messages and have a conversation, whether it's about support for an item that you want to buy or an item that you've bought or new orders that you want to place with this business. It's a way to take communication with businesses out of their custom interfaces on the web, out of email, and directly into iMessage, taking advantage of all the features that iMessage offers, including the new Apple Pay integration, uh, including integration with the rest of iOS to find this contact information, and even iMessage apps, which, by the way, do use a deep and open framework in this case. Um, that said, um, this all sounds kind of generic, so I'm, I'm going to explain it to you in more practical terms. I was at the session where uh, Business Chat was being announced, and it was surprisingly packed because we only got like one screenshot on the website, so there was a lot of curiosity going on. Um, so you know how on iOS you can search for a local business uh, using the Safari search box or Spotlight or Maps. And when you do, say you search for Apple Store and you get like a phone button and like a directions button to open the place in Maps and walk there or drive there. Now with iOS 11, if the business integrates with business chat, you will get an iMessage icon that you can tap to start a conversation with the business. When you do, you, you're taken into the Messages app and you're taken into this new screen, which looks like an iMessage conversation, but it's got a custom color that matches the logo and the identity of the business. So in the, in the demo that Apple showed, uh, the Apple Store had a gray iMessage interface that matches the gray Apple logo for the Apple Online Store. Uh, these conversations, they never start from the business. It's the user that always needs to start a conversation and get in touch with the business. So if you're afraid of, our business is just going to spam me now and send me messages, that is not possible. Is that in every instance, Federico? In every instance, the user needs to start the conversation. So if if I'm talking to a business and I say to them, can you let me know in a few days or whatever, they would probably say, no, you have to contact us into three days time so no the first instance needs to start from you okay so the the very first time you contact a business it needs to be you but one of the uh, features of business chat is that it supports long-running sessions so if you buy an item on monday and you want to be updated on the status of the product on wednesday the business will be able to ping you again two days later and okay. tell and tell you by the way the product that you buy uh, that you bought has actually shipped 
So that is available to businesses. But the very first time, it needs to be you, the user. But could they then contact me in a month and say, hey, we've got this new product we think you might like? They, I, so I think they can do it, but you also have the option to, of course, delete the conversation. And once you delete a conversation, if you're done, uh, you, know, you don't want to hear from Apple again. Uh, once the conversation is, go- is gone, the business cannot get in touch with oh, you again. Now that's cool. I like that. That's, yeah, because again, of course, Apple is doing this in a way that everything is basically anonymized. Uh, you get a token, you're assigned a user token ah, when okay. you start this conversation. So it's not like Apple can say, oh, Mike Hurley uh, contacted us two months ago. Let's send Mike a message again. That's not going to happen. Um, also, in addition to deleting a conversation, you can swipe on the conversation in iMessage. And this is true for both normal conversations and business chat. You can swipe and hide the notification from that conversation. Um, so the idea here is you get in touch with the business and then you can start talking with them. Um, one of the great things here is that because it's the actual iMessage, it supports all of the features that iMessage has. So rich links, for example. If your business wants to, you know, like I'm asking the Apple Store, hey, do you have any iPhone battery cases? And they send me, they can either send me a link to the, for example, the iPhone 7 battery case and I get the rich preview or they can send me this... Uh, lists, like these multiple pickers, like these options that I can interact with in iMessage. Um, also during the demo, they showed how um, Apple Pay is going to be supported here. So if I have a question about a pro- product and I don't want to buy the item before I know my answer to that question, I can use business chat to ask the company a few questions about you know the item that I want to buy. Once I'm satisfied, uh, I can say things like, okay, I want to buy the product. And the business, in theory, can send me a rich iMessage card that, and I can use Apple Pay to pay in line inside the conversation for the item. A few days later, I'm going to get the tracking info for the item also inside iMessage. And I don't have to use Safari. I don't have to use Apple Mail. Everything happens inside iMessage. And it works like a conversation, but it's richer because it's this customer business experience that is happening inside of the iMessage UI. And personally, I think it's very well done from a user perspective. I don't know how much I'm going to use this, primarily because I feel like none of the local shops in Rome are going to support business chat. But in the United States and maybe for online businesses, I think this is going to be quite nice. And Steven, I know that you've also looked at the at the session, especially from the uh, other side of the experience, from a business owner perspective, sort of the tools that you can use and how it works behind the scenes, um, which I think is also interesting the way that Apple has done this. The business owner side gets basically a, it's like a web portal but this only works with like platforms. So say that Relay FM wanted to, to have this to answer support questions, uh, which we're not looking at, but say that we were. We would need to use something like Salesforce or Nuance or Genesis. I think LivePerson is the fourth one. These customer service platforms that then would give me access to business chat amongst all their other tools. So this is, it's easier to think about this as like a, like a, a section of a larger customer service solution as opposed to just I sign into iCloud as, as Relay FM and answer a bunch of questions. But on that side, the owner has a lot of options. Federica, you mentioned that they could send a list of products. Um, 
A business owner can set up an appointment. So there's like a time picker, which knows about the local calendar on the device. Um, you can you can do a bunch of stuff um, with like it's it's all uses JSON. And so in the mm-hmm. the video, which you should go watch if you're interested in this, uh, there's a lot of JSON being generated, and like you can scroll through it and check it. It's, it's it's a little unclear to me if how visible that will be once this is like rolled into something like Salesforce or if this is something that just integrates with their platform. But um, I do have some questions around like how does that scale? How does it scale when you're chatting with hundreds of customers across multiple support agents? Like the demo was like one support yeah. agent <laughs> talking to one customer. Like yeah. that's fine, but that doesn't like I want to know how it scales. Um, surely they've thought of that, right? This didn't really show it. Um, but integrating it into something like Salesforce or live person or these other, or these other products, you know, customer service people are already in this. And so my thought is that business mm-hmm. chat will just be another tool, uh, they can use. Uh, I think the other thing that's pretty interesting is that they, they only showed this on the web. They did not show an, an iOS management piece of this. Mm-hmm. And so again, if you're using Salesforce or something, those, those platforms have, apps and it's unclear at this point if this will make it into those apps or this will just be online or there's there's lots of questions around that right now as a business you have to go register there's a link in the show notes you have to be approved Uh, you have to be on one of these platforms and you can only test it internally at this point so again if relay were doing it i could answer questions federico had about about call recorder but i couldn't you know field questions from our members for instance and uh so they're they seem to be rolling it out very slowly, which I think is good. Um, I, I like you, Federico. I see a, lar- a large amount of potential for this. I think this could really be uh, a really like a, a nice addition to the iMessage ecosystem. I've used Messenger to talk to brands before. Yeah, uh, I use brands in air quotes, and it's really nice because I'm just already on my phone, right? I don't have to, I don't have to call somebody and then be on hold for twenty minutes and then it'd be difficult to communicate with them. Like it, it's just, I'm already in iMessage all, all day. Just, just bring it to me. And so yeah. that is super exciting. And yep. I think there's some unknowns on the business side, but uh, I, I'm really excited about this for, for something that shouldn't be as exciting as it is on the surface. Like I think it's going to be great. And um, I like that Apple is, is, thinking about these types of customers, you know, the, the customer here really is other businesses and Apple usually isn't very good at that. And so to see them do this and to s- seemingly do it well is uh, is a welcome change. The reason that I'm interested in this as a consumer is I don't like calling companies, right? Because I have to devote all of my time and attention to that thing, which is usually mm-hmm. them not doing something the way that I need it to be done. And then I have to take this block of time out of my day or away from what I'm doing to sit on hold for half an hour, right? Like, I, I hate that. And I hate the uncertainty, right? You never know how long it's going to take you. Like, you start a call now, you could be done in five minutes or an hour. Like, you never know how long it's going to take. So I tend to like to do the chat functions where they're available. But the problem with those is it's like you have to sit in the same way, right? Like, you have to sit there. You can't close the window. You kind of have to just sit with the window open and wait for them to talk to you. But if it's on iMessage, I can just go about my day doing whatever I'm doing because it's in the app. It's not in this like pop-out window that has to stay active, right? Like mm-hmm. it's just I'll just get a text as I would get any and then I can just respond to the text when I want to. Yeah. 
That's mm-hmm. why I'm interested by this, because it's taking this support function that nobody ever really would love to do, like especially if it's an annoying thing that you have to get fixed, and puts it into a method of communication that I use regularly and enjoy. Like that's why I'm interested in the way that Apple is looking to integrate this. Yeah. Two things that I forgot to mention. Uh, you can start a business chat conversation by scanning a QR code. So again, another instance of QR codes being supported on, a, on iOS 11 with uh, a wide array of options in terms of destination. And uh, the business owner can also uh, respond to you with the with with a link to an iMessage app to perform a specific action. So let's say that you're talking to a um, for example, to to a hotel or to a flight company, and they want to make sure that you pick a room or that you pick a seat on the plane. Um, they can reply with a with an i with a native iMessage app. If you have the app installed, you tap the iMessage bubble and you can interact. So you can choose a room or you can choose you know another product directly inside uh, a custom app UI inside of iMessage. Like it basically already works for person-to-person iMessage conversations with iMessage apps. But now the business can take care of that. And if you don't have the app installed, you can go back to the App Store, install the app, and tap on the message again. So uh, it looks like Apple is really um, sort of taking advantage of all the features of iMessage. You can you can even upload images. Uh, all of the attachment types from iMessage are supported in business chat so it's a way to, uh, like you said, to avoid those old systems of talking to companies, um, whether it's on the phone or, or an email or those ugly <laughs> live person chat windows. Uh, and it's a way to bring that into iMessage and using the secure and private and interactive model of iMessage to simplify these company to customer interactions. I'm really intrigued by the idea of uh, the, the sort of underlying theme of Apple becoming a bank and having an Apple Pay becoming an Apple wallet with actual money. And I can see the flow of I'm sending money to people, sending money to my friend Mike, for example. Now Mike has a, an Apple Pay wallet and the same money goes back to buying another product using business chat. So it's basically Apple handling a bunch of different transactions, whether it's between people or between people and customers, which is basically the definition of a bank. Uh, so... I'm curious to see how Business Chat plays out in this scenario with the Apple Pay integration. Do you know how the app side works from the business? Because I'm assuming they're not using iOS apps to make... No. Mm-hmm. So do you know? Like, Is there some kind of new view for these apps? Like when, they, like when, they, when you want to share a link to an iMessage app? Yeah, like how is that... How does that uh, work? That's universal links, basically. Uh, right. the, the way that you can call out a specific screen or feature inside of your app. Okay. Uh, you embed a link to the app, and if the app is installed, iOS knows how to deal with it. Right, and so you need to code into your applications the ability to yes. have these links, right? I guess that's, yes. that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's basically how it works, yeah. yeah. Anything more on this? I mean, it sounds really interesting. Like, is this due to launch with 11 or is there a different time frame uh, for it? Uh, it's going to launch next year. Okay. Uh, this year, Apple wants to keep testing it for like several months be- before they roll it out next year. Yeah, so it's not really a, an iOS 11 feature, is it? Mm. It's just like they've just announced it at WWDC. Yeah, basically, yes. 
Does it need 11? It needs 11 um, right. because it needs all of the, uh, like the Apple Pay stuff in iMessage, for example. So it needs iOS 11. And I, and I suppose it could launch with iOS 11.3, I guess, maybe spring 2018. That's going to be next year. Yes, 2018. Uh, but it, yes, it needs iOS 11. You, I'm not sure actually what happens if you try on iOS 10. Maybe it just says this is not supported on iOS 10. So you will need the next version of iOS to, to do this. I'm interested, you know, like I, I am. Color me interested. Like I, I want to see where this goes. I think that it could be really good. I don't. I know that there are apps that do it, like Messenger and stuff. But I'm, you know, I don't use those. Right? Like it's still like a whole different thing mm. that I would be going to use. I am very keen on having this stuff um, in my iMessage account if I want it to be right. And I feel like Apple's doing a lot to protect me from being spammed by companies so that mm-hmm. i'm also very keen on like i don't want to get myself on lists now like with email right where it's like now people can just send me their newest marketing message like that would <laughs> maybe be the worst thing that apple has ever done if that was the case you know um so yeah i'm, I'm very keen to see yeah was this an okay explanation like? i think so i think you did a very good job i i think that you have a if you want, you have a new career in um, WWDC presentations. <laughs> you right. could be on stage doing sure. presentations, you know? Sure, sure, okay. I think that'd be really good. <laughs> All right, so if you want to find our show notes for this week, head on over to relay.fm slash connecting slash 147. Uh, I would like to take a moment again to thank our sponsors, PDF Pen 9 from Smile, Blue Apron, and Encapsula. Please go check out these apps, services, and companies because uh, they help support this show. If you want to find Federico online, he's over at MacStories.net and he is at Fatici on Twitter, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Steven is at 512pixels.net and he is at ISMH on Twitter and I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thanks to you for listening and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.